Hi everyone, welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo, I'm the author of the film review website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out all of my written reviews stemming all the way back to 1996. That's at Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Before I get into today's review, I just want to mention, because I haven't really been promoting it, that there is a blog for this show. It's at ATWmovies.com, ATWmovies, that stands for Around the World, movies.com and you'll find not only links to every episode but you'll be able to sort them by the type of movie they are or maybe some of the more specialized things that happened in the 1980s i'll try to do a pretty good job of making it granular and i may also post a few blog posts on there from time to time as well so check that out we're going to get into the second of the films that are based on toys that were done by Sunbow and Marvel in a collaboration to make an animated feature based on a Hasbro toy. The previous episode was about Transformers, the movie. This one also has the movie in the title. It's My Little Pony, the movie from 1986. Actually, this one was released first, just a couple of months before the Transformers film. It's a fantasy animated feature. It's basically made for kids. It's a G-rated film. It's suitable for all audiences, and the runtime is an hour and 26 minutes. It's an animated feature, so we have an all-vocal cast here of Cloris Leachman, Madeline Kahn, Rhea Perlman, Danny DeVito, Rhea Perlman's husband, Tony Randall, Charlie Adler, and Nancy Cartwright, who does the voice of Bart Simpson on The Simpsons, Peter Cullen, Frank Welker, Susan Blue, who also did vocal work in the Transformers, the movie, are also in this film. The director is Mike Jones. No, not the rapper. J-O-E-N-S is how you spell Jones. Hopefully that's how you pronounce Jones. I'm not 100% sure. The screenplay is credited to George Arthur Bloom. So I realize that the age demographic for this film, My Little Pony, the movie, is far below my current age. It's predominantly aimed at kids below perhaps 10 years old. But when you're a dad with a six-year-old daughter and one who's a huge fan of the new version of the characters in My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. She watches it all the time on Netflix. I think she's run through each episode about five times and she still continues to watch it. You end up watching your share of films that are not only for kids, but more specifically for young girls when you have a daughter as young as my daughter. So along these lines, while I realize that this is not a film that I would have ever sought out on my own, I guess the biggest surprise about this near 90 minute commercial to sell dolls to girls like my daughter is that it's surprisingly watchable for adults to follow and enjoy. Cloris Leachman here voices the evil witch that lives with her two bumbling daughters. Her daughters are Rika, who is voiced by Rhea Perlman, and Drago, voiced by Madeline Kahn. They live in this volcano of gloom that overlooks the idyllic Dream Castle in Dream Valley, where the magical pastel-colored little ponies and other interesting creatures reside. Disgruntled Hidia, that's the name of the main witch, hate, she hates the happy ponies, so she concocts a scheme to get rid of them for good by flooding their home and the surrounding areas with a strange and nearly indestructible purple slime called the smooth. Some people think it's gray. It looked purple to me, but the smooth will pave over everything that's beautiful in the area forever with an impervious shell once it solidifies. To escape their plight, the ponies find themselves having to ally with some new friends like the Grundles, who once also suffered the same fate of displacement from the smooths in order to return to their normally carefree lives as ponies yet again. My Little Pony the movie follows the lead of two television specials that aired in the preceding year that established the ponies in their peculiar world. 
This is a full-length feature. It peppers the very basic plot with a lot of interesting bells and whistles, the most prominent among them being that several musical numbers of different varieties reside within. This one references quite a few old Disney fairy tales in its animation as well as its style, although not in any kind of serious vein. It's in keeping with the just a tad better than TV quality that was no doubt greenlit because of the box office success of the Care Bear movies released just the year before. The vocal talent here that they've drawn together is good, albeit a bit on the shrill side at times. I think it does take some getting used to, to the high-pitched way that the ponies and other characters are voiced. I suppose kids don't mind as much as adults. I certainly can attest that when my daughter is watching My Little Pony on TV, I tend to have a harder time having to hear that as noise in the background than she ever does. Cloris Leachman gives her all his hidea, and she works well in contrast with Rhea Perlman and fellow Mel Brooks alumnus Madeline Kahn in their roles as the evil but still surprisingly likable witches. Rhea Perlman's husband, Danny DeVito, he gets top billing for the film for being the most recognizable actor of the bunch, at least at that time. But his role as the sweet-natured king of the brutish-looking but inherently kind Grendels is a fairly small one for somebody who's going to get top billing. Tony Randall here, he also delivers a terrific musical number in his soul scene as the kooky wizard named the Moochick. This one's produced by Japan Sunbow Entertainment and the offshoot of the American comics company Marvel Productions. Uh, South Korea's Acom Studios also contributed to some of the animation. This is a film that joins their other release of 1986, The Transformers the Movie, as a theatrically released attempt that failed to get their fan base to go out to the movies to catch as My Little Pony raked in less than $6 million overall, pretty much faring the same as the Transformers the movie at the time. It didn't even rise above 10th place in any week of its release. And alas, unlike the Transformers, the cult audience for My Little Pony the movie is substantially small comparatively these days, despite being a very charming little film that many would no doubt appreciate. My daughter, I will say, was very much into it. I had a little bit of skepticism considering that the ponies are different than the ones that she knows, but she liked these quite a bit. I think she still prefers the new version of My Little Pony today. The film critics of 1986 were far less than kind to My Little Pony, the movie. They dismissed this film as having very few redeeming qualities and basically just described it as a means to advertise Hasbro's products to kids. And with the failures of the two theatrical attempts to produce animated features based on their most popular toys, Sunbow and Marvel decided to push out the other two films that they had been working on, Inhumanoids, the movie, and G.I. Joe, the movie, as straight-to-video releases. They canceled any other ideas they may have had coming down the pipe along these lines, including beginning work on their Jam on the Holograms, which was going to be a follow-up after G.I. Joe. They scrapped that one. While contemporary critics have had their knives out, I believe that there's more merit to the film than just a cash grab. There's an earnest attempt to make a quality musical here. There are standout musical numbers, including Baby Lickety Split's 70s-tinged jazzy number called I'll Go It Alone, and The Moochick's Home, where Tony Randall croons about all of the different lavish or interesting places that the ponies can live with Dreamcastle destroyed. While many find the current version of the My Little Pony series to be better produced and conceived, which confusingly produced a theatrically released feature of its own in 2017, which is also called My Little Pony the Movie. Maybe they made it so that when people search for the film, they will see the new one and not necessarily the old one. There's still some good enjoyment here to be had for those who remember the series from the 1980s and for those who like old-style 2D animated features from decades ago. I can attest, watching this with my daughter, that I, that kids are going to like it, probably. 
at least kids, six-year-old girls like my daughter will. It's not too scary for the youngest of them, and there's enough enjoyment to be had for parents without much knowledge of these characters to reasonably enjoy the film as a colorfully comical oddity with good vocal talent and several catchy songs. I don't think that most adults who are not actually nostalgic for this film in any form or fashion are going to watch this on their own, but if you have kids... I think it's reasonably good, despite its rudimentary plotline. The bells and whistles are what makes it stand out, just enough to have a personality and a few unique moments to entertain beyond its conceptual simplicity in its world building. So I'm going to give My Little Pony a passing grade of three stars out of four. Three stars on my scale means that I do think that it's a recommended film for those people who like this kind of movie. If, if you're a My Little Pony fan, especially if you watch the My Little Pony TV series of specials and the animated cartoon on television that actually came out right after this film was released into theaters, you're probably going to find much to enjoy from a nostalgia standpoint, maybe even expose your own kids to it if you were a huge fan. Beyond that, I don't think that the reach extends very far. It's kind of like the Transformers in that way, even though there seems to be millions more <laughs> Transformers fans of the 1980s cartoon anyway than there are for the My Little Pony series, but there still are My Little Pony fans who probably would enjoy this even though they never really, as far as I know, have not released a Blu-ray release of this and they released a 30th anniversary DVD without any real features, so I'm guessing there's not a huge cult following for this film the way that there are for so many other 80s movies, at least not yet. If you're a huge fan though, the storyline from this film continues into the uh, TV series My Little Pony and Friends, the first 10 10-minute 10 episodes of that series called The End of Flutter Valley are continuations kind of of the storyline that you find in this film. Sometimes those 10 episodes are packaged together as a sequel. If you're a fan and you really want to see more, I do recommend looking for that. As far as what I'm going to be reviewing next week, I'm going to be continuing on with Sumbo and Marvel and their animated features based on Hasbro toys. I'm actually going to skip Inhumanoids. I don't even know if I can actually get that. But I'm going to keep this to a trilogy as I have with all of my other sets so far on this podcast. With G.I. Joe, the movie, the one that was meant to be released into theaters. But as I mentioned, the producers got a little bit gun-shy and decided to release that straight to video. And I'm going to be reviewing that next week. So check out G.I. Joe the movie for those people who like to watch the films before I get to the review. Before I go, I also want to mention that I do cover brand new films on another podcast called the Quipster Film Review Podcast. If you want more information on that, go to quipsterpod.com, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R-P-O-D.com. And you'll find out more details about that. I just reviewed Solo, a Star Wars story, as of this recording. So if you want to hear my take on that, check out the Quipster Film Review Podcast wherever you're listening to this right now. Just do a search for it and you'll find it. Until next time, thanks everyone for listening and joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies. 